No matter the industry, leaders need to hold these things dear. Who we serve, how we serve, why we serve. This is People Process Service, a frontline source group podcast. Everyone, welcome to another episode of People Process Service. I'm Tyler Kern. Bill Casco is here. Hello, Tyler. Hey, Bill. How are you? I am uh, on my countdown to start a vacation. Are you really? So I'm excited. When do you leave? Uh, uh, 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. Awesome. We're excited. Awesome. I leave for Mexico tomorrow. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, you're probably so. going to have sun. Yeah. I'm going to be in the rain, it looks like. So we'll see. Really? We'll see who comes back with a better tan. Were you going to go outside at all anyways? Uh, yes. Uh, I am, no matter what, I promise. <laughs> we'll we'll, uh, we'll have to do a little tan test here. We'll do it. We'll do a debrief there in a couple in a couple good. weeks. Yeah, but we are not here to talk about our tans. No, no, we are no, no, here no. to talk to another fantastic guest that we have here on People Process Service. His name is Michael Gorton. He is the CEO of Back to Space. Michael, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I, I think that's just one of his companies. Oh, I know. Right. Right. It's that's like a great. whole plethora of stuff here. So, what? How right. many do we have? Well, there's 12 in the past, but, right. but I sit on the board of several. I don't even want to count right yeah, now. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> it's, it's kind is of it, like is it more than 20? Yeah. It, if, if I started saying the names of companies I'm working with right now and I miss one, yeah. somebody's going to be mad. It's like the Academy Awards, right? <laughs> uh, you know what's also interesting? You've got a uh, undergrad from University of Texas. Is right. that correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, a graduate degree from Texas Wesleyan. Mm-hmm. And another undergraduate degree from Texas Tech? Or I have, yeah. What do I we have, have a, here? We got a, like a lot going yeah, on. Uh, I did physics at UT. Okay. I did engineering at Texas Tech, both right. bachelors. Okay. And then I did um, my graduate work in physics at UT Dallas. And then I went to Wesleyan for law school, but A&M bought my law school. So now, I, I mean, go figure this one out. I'm, I'm a Longhorn. I'm an Aggie, so those two, I mean, how do those two work Right, together? right, right, right. <laughs> and a Red Raider. And a Red Raider on top of that. <laughs> yeah. You are, con- we call it confused. Yes, that's yeah. right. Uh, so, so you, what, what, I don't even know what to ask about that. I mean, you just were trying to figure it out? No. You, you weren't sure? No. What, what happened? When, when I was a, a young Boy Scout, I decided I wanted to be the first person on Mars. Um, I saw Neil step out on the moon, and I went, I'm going to do that on Mars. And my Boy Scout leader was a C-130 pilot, and he said, here's how you do it. Become an engineer, a scientist, and a medical doctor. So I got the first two down, and then then I'm like, I don't want to practice medicine. So so with our whole podcast uh, program that we do about people and process service, let's just jump into the people part. Because obviously – this person really made a, a big influence in you in That's your life. Correct. Yep. Yeah. And and they pointed you in this direction with a dream uh mm-hmm. that that went so far, but then what made you go in into the entrepreneur side? I was in law school and um I took an international trade class. I called a friend of mine in Mexico and I said, For my project I gotta send you some computers. I sent him a few computers and um, and then he called me and he said, send me more. And I went, right. no, I'm not sending you more. And he right. goes, I sold them. We can make money doing this. So um, I Did started you call making... Steve Jobs at the same time uh, and say, hey, let's partner? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I started making money and I thought, right. you know, I don't need to be in corporate America. So, Tyler, the one little part I don't think you mentioned is, is the company that probably is most widely known mm-hmm. or heard of uh, that Michael started, and that's Teladocs. Correct. Yeah. So – that's the medical piece, yep. or and what was the idea? I mean, 
How did that idea come about? I had just sold a company called Internet Global and made a lot of money, and I called a bunch of friends and said, let's go climb Kilimanjaro. One of them was a high school buddy of mine who was- Okay, I'm sorry. That's just not the first thing I'm thinking. I know. know? I don't know. I mean, what are you talking about? (laughs) You sell this huge company and make a ton of money. Yeah. And you go, I want to go climb a mountain? Yeah. A really hard mountain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they don't let you do Kilimanjaro in less than a week, right? Like, you have yeah. to stop at various elevation well, points to it, acclimate well, and that sort of it thing. Gift shops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You, um, no. You can, they're, they're actually on Kilimanjaro, there is something called the Coca Cola route. It's not for me. You know, I wanted the hard, wh- what's the hard route with the ice and the difficulty? And so that was five days on the mountain. Holy oh. cow. Okay. How many friends went with you? I took a team of five. Are they still friends? Yeah. Um, are you? <laughs> Did they like you after? Oh, that's a question. <laughs> we had a great time. Okay. The, yeah. It was, but so, so Dr. Brooks, electrical engineer MD, is with me. And the whole way he's saying, we've got to build this company. It's called Cyber Medical Services. And, um, and, you know, I thought it was a stupid idea. Right. But he, but he changed my mind. Okay. And was that because you're all the way at the top on the side and, of a mountain? And, <laughs> and we changed the name of the company to Teladoc. Wow. So, um, yeah, so we started it basically on the side of Kilimanjaro. Wow. Awesome. That, I mean, see, that to me is like the coolest thing to hear. Yeah. That on this climb, of course, you have plenty of time to think. Yeah, and like, argue and, and argue, yes, and not go back and forth and, all and not agree on a name. <laughs> so you you come up with this name and the idea, and and what was the discussion about the idea of what you wanted this company to be? Well, in the beginning, it was every downtown should have a room where people can just walk in and the doctor's remote. Right. And um, but it evolved into a telephone, a patient, and a medical record, okay. and then the doctor uh, calling. So how did you, what, what was the first step in starting something like that? We actually spent two years building and testing the model because we knew it was going to be controversial. Right. And people have heard me say this a lot. You know, it was so controversial that after we tested it on a couple hundred patients for two years, we knew we were going to change the world. And the board of medical examiners knew we were going to go to prison. Uh, so, right. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's pretty disconcerting when you walk into a room full of medical doctors that have law degrees and you tell them how you're going to change the world. And they tell you, if you do this, you're going to prison. Yeah. Um, that's when you knew you had it. Yeah. Right? That's when I knew it. That's the yeah. moment you went, we're on to something. Yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> we are going to disrupt everything that takes place. Yeah. So the product, if you don't know, and I, I don't I mean, maybe people don't have never heard of it. To me, it's just genius. I remember hearing about it a few years back. I don't remember when. I know we were going through maybe our insurance renewals, and it was coming up. And I had employees asking. We have Blue Cross and Blue Shield, and we may have had United at the time. I don't remember. But the the number one question, are we going to have Teladoc added on? Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is Teladoc? What are you talking about? I've never heard of this. (laughs) Uh, And then they started telling me about it, and I said, that sounds genius. I don't know. know. I don't know. Let's find out. And I think that was the first year that we were able to do that. We had to we had to pay extra for it or something, but I said I don't whatever it's going to cost. I mean, it just sounds reasonable, right. but it also was very convenient, especially for parents with young kids or working people that can't be away, don't have the schedule and the ability. But you guys really found a niche and a way to do that, right? With well, in the beginning, it was controversial, so the board of medical examiners didn't didn't get it. And, and it was hard for the patients, too. Um, 
and and even in some cases for some of the doctors but we had some very brilliant people you like people process and service and um, so we got some of the best doctors in the country and I remember one of the, of the physicians telling me that your patient if you listen to the what they're telling you will tell you what's wrong you know the symptoms let them talk right. and and therefore a significant percentage of the time, all you need is a telephone and a medical record so you understand the base. Right. And, um, and that's the way it's turned out. You know, the great news is we're um, 18 years into the telemedicine that we created with Teladoc, and there hasn't been a single med, med mal suit. And so you can't really, you can't say that about anything well, else. Yeah, I know. We're not I know. We're, so, <laughs> but the, eventually there will be one. Right. I'm sure. Right. But I mean, think about the tens or maybe even hundreds of millions of consultations that have been done now with zero. There's no math like that anywhere else in medicine. But it's the technology, right, that changes, and then the world changes around you, and that's an industry that needed to change as well. Yeah. And embrace that because when you think of the GDP that's not generated because of these individuals not able to go to work, but able to utilize this technology to get them better, and then they're able to go back to work, the difference they make in society and to the world is a huge number yep. of, of working people in an, in an economy like this that right. you solved a problem. But I mean, it, you really solved a problem. Well, here's the analogy I used to tell people back then, because the things that we treated were simple. So in Texas, we know you walk in the front yard, you see a little mound. You know it's fire ants, right? You go back in your garage, you got something, you know, diazinon or I don't know what it is, but you put it on the mound and, the, and it's gone. Right. Um, in medicine, you walk out in the front yard, you see this mound, you call the Pentagon, they send, you know, 100 soldiers with tanks and air support, right? right. And that's, and, and you just said it a minute ago, you went to the doctor for, for the, for something simple, and they wanted to charge you $5,500, right? Right, right. And, and what we said was, there's lots of simple things that we know what they are. The doctor's going to listen, and, and the doctor's going to know. Right. And we can solve it like that. Yeah, yeah people are using your service because they believe they have thyroid cancer. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, it, that's yeah. not the service you're talking yeah. about providing. Yeah. No. I, I've got no. a sore throat. I'm running a fever. I, I, right. A sinus right. infection. I, I know what it is. I get them all the time this time of the year. Here we go. And, and that's the majority. One, one of my favorite early cases was a guy who woke up, his toes were tingling, his wife said, go to the doctor, and he said, no, I have important meetings. And she said, well, try that new teledoc service. So on the way to his meeting, he calls our doctor, and the doctor says, do what your wife said. Stop, go straight to the ER. Right. And, and he was having a stroke. Oh and, and the doctor, um, the admitting doctor said, you know, 15 minutes later, you probably wouldn't have made it. So it saved his life. So could our doctor treat it? No, but he heard symptoms and he said, whatever you're doing, drive to the nearest emergency room right now. And it saved his life. So when you, when you went through the ups and downs of states saying you, you couldn't practice or, or fighting it with yeah. possible legislation and all these other parts, wh how, what did you guys, what was the stance that you took? I mean, what was the... Oh. Well, first of all, when... Um, when people asked me back then what kept me up at night, it was exactly that. Right, right. You know, there was going to be a sheriff or somebody coming in saying, you know, this state is after you. Right. And, and our position always was that you don't win battles against boards of medical examiners. They have their own court system. They have their own judges. Right. You lose if you fight. Right. And so if, if they serve you with papers, and then you call them and you say, 
how can I help you? Right, what can I right, do to make right, you happy? Right, right. <laughs> and, and we did that a lot. Just ask I, for forgiveness you, later. Well, because you had the people behind you, though. Right. So people is an important thing. You know, uh, imagine that you get pulled over by a police officer and you start swearing at him. You know what's going to happen. You're going to end up with a fistful of tickets or maybe even get carted off. Right. right. But if if you roll down the window and you say, I'm sorry, officer, I was in a hurry. Oh, do you know my cousin who works over in right. precinct number? Right. And and so w we thought of it that way. What what we did early on was we said, Let's get the best doctors in the country who believe in what we're doing. And when a board calls us, let's bring one of them with us. Right. Let's bring a Surgeon General or an HHS secretary. And and so we did. So when you when you th I, it, it's just mind boggling to me to think about trying to roll something like that out because you have the insurance companies involved and, uh -huh. and the states and and all every state with a different law, every yeah. state with a different board. Yep. And so how how did you bring or where did you find the right people to do something like that to bring in to set up that infrastructure that's needed? Yeah. Well, we a lot of it we had to invent. Okay. And it, it, so imagine in the beginning when we wanted to say we were in 50 states and we have three patients in Idaho. And we at the time we were guaranteeing 3 hours or it's free, but internally in our offices we were saying 10 to 20 minutes. That's what we wanted our turnaround time. So you go so into doctor the queue. To call. Yeah. Okay. You go into the queue. We want the doctor to be calling you in under 20 minutes. And and we were succeeding. But how do you do that? How do you train an Idaho physician to see two patients that may call in every other year? Right. It's impossible. So we created a program we called SuperDoc, where we'd get our best doctors and we'd say, we will do all of the work, all the paperwork, pay all the money to license you in as many states as you want to work. Wow. And so our super docs, you know, we would, the, they were all over the country and we had doctors licensed in 15, 20 states. How did the doctor, I guess that medical community, not the board, how did they embrace the product? They loved it. Okay. Yeah, because if you think about it, what ultimately won the battle with the board was us re-educating them that doctors have been doing this since the invention of the telephone. Mm -hmm. They just haven't been doing it as well. Right. You know, um, doctors have limited time. They can work a day. They don't work 24 hours a day. So Dr. Jones calls Dr. Smith and says, hey, I'll cover for you on Tuesday night if you cover for me on Thursday night, right? right. right. And, and the boards have, have known if I'm Dr. Jones's patient and I get Dr. Smith on Tuesday night, the board's okay with that. Dr. Smith doesn't know who I am. He doesn't have my medical record. He's not going to get paid for it. Right. Um, and But the board is okay with him treating me. So now what we've done is we fixed it. So now Dr. Smith gets paid. He has my medical record. Um, the, you know, my medical record gets updated, and I get a better experience. And now I know he's going to call me back in 20 minutes. Yeah. So we put all those pieces together in that process with right. those people to make the <laughs> I love the, this. Uh, I know. To make the service it. It, work. It, made, it makes sense, it right? It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, I mean, because to me, it's all about the money. I mean, in all of the controversy you would hear over time about the product, at the end of the day, it was just, I felt like, money. They just wanted money. It wasn't yeah. anything else. And you were giving something that was r extremely reasonable in cost. Yeah. Whether you had insurance or not wasn't really a part of the whole thing. I mean, it was, it was open to everybody, and it was yep. a service that was out there. Mm -hmm. But when it, when, I know in Texas, I remember hearing that they were going to try to pass legislation or something to outlaw it at one time. 
And yeah. we, we had heard that from our insurance company That's right. brokers. Yeah. And I thought, that is ridiculous. That is absolutely insane. The people of the state will not put up with that. Mm-hmm. They have been using a product that works. No, obviously somebody's not getting paid. There's something here that well, probably there's another digging. story there, but we yeah. can't. No, we'll, I, tell I, I one, we'll tell that I one. We'll tell that one offline. Yeah, that one later. But I just, I, I'm, I'm just the infrastructure to build that out to me is what's very interesting as well. Yeah. Because you really took an, that idea and then were able to make it spread. And when the people enjoyed using the product, it just became a word. To me, the Teladoc idea is is going to become a word like a Xerox. Yeah. It, it's a, it's the word that's used now even though that's not the same product because there are other products that are out there. Correct. Uh, but they don't they refer to it still as Teladoc. Mm-hmm. Well, we offer Teladoc. You do and then you look at it and go, that's not what you call it. Yeah. But that's what it is. I mean, you really created something that is it's the 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 Xerox thing to me. It's the uh, the word that's used. And, and so you were talking about you were talking about dollars and so Try to imagine this. When when I left Teladoc, we were still charging thirty five dollars. I think it's forty now. Right. Um, but uh, the average primary care physician, when I was building Teladoc, was making about one hundred forty eight thousand to one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to work ten to twelve hours a day. You know, be on call on the weekends, et cetera. Right. right? And our best doctors were working eight hours a day, five days a week take four weeks of vacation off and they make 250. Mm. So they were making more money working at home, right. but but remember my a fire ant analogy? Right. So you walk into the clinic and and you're paying $110 for that visit, but look at all the things you're paying for. Right. With Teladoc, it's a doctor at home with yeah. his computer. Yeah. Or it's her computer. Absolutely amazing story with that. Really. I know. So it's mind-blowing. So, so you <laughs> I mean, I could, I could, we could talk, I can't talk about this because to me it's I know. And before we started recording, you were kind of going into, I think probably maybe some of the beta stages where you guys were talking about connecting. Imagine you're a, you know, a long road trucker and you have to figure out, you know, what, what pharmacy that trucker could go to and what parking lot could fit the truck and, you know, what state, which direction they were heading. Were they going east, west, north, south? But that's that differentiator, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they they created a product that was going to be, that was going to disrupt the marketplace, number one. And then they Mm -hmm. became the differentiator that you went above and beyond. Right. And, And from my side, I think about it from a staffing piece. First of all, you've got all of these doctors to engage, mm-hmm. then you have to build the infrastructure just from a network of phone systems mm-hmm. to go out to everywhere, and then it just it just becomes it's just huge. So today, when you look at Teladoc and you think about where where, where is it today? Thirty some odd million yeah. members, and um, I. I don't have as close a connection to Teladoc as I would like to have. Okay. But I was I was in they their offices are um, just north of town here in Louisville. Yeah. And um, I walked in there one day and hundred thousand square feet of you know all these it, it just you, you know you. You, and you go it started on the side of a mountain, I, guys. Yeah, yeah. No, you, you, you and, and, and you build it, you build a company, it's your baby. So right. you watch it being born and you and you have to do all the things like changing the diapers and right. and um, you know, watching it fall down and skin its knees and then and then you see this beautiful facility and you think, This is this is um That's success. a dream yeah, that comes true, is. right? Because 
when you're an entrepreneur, you you worry about every little piece. You do. And no one else understands. And it's difficult. Yeah. And you know, you you were for for our industry going through the Great Recession was horrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that your healthcare side, uh, at least it, you're pretty safe up and down. Other than you had a lot of, as you said, issues. You never knew if they were going to hit you, right? Because they're going to change laws. Mm-hmm. But when you're an entrepreneur and you're starting something like that and building it out, it's the little things that you that do bother you uh, mm-hmm. as you're building it. Uh, uh, is the service correct? Yeah. Are they answering the questions right? Is the phone being answered quick enough? Other people are like, it's fine. They'll answer the phone in a few minutes. Don't worry about it. I freak out still. I'm like, I think that I think that call was like ringing three times. What's yeah. the problem? First ring, pick it up. Yeah, come on. What are we right. waiting for? You know, and, and <laughs> right. others don't understand that because when it's in your blood and, and it's your baby, yeah, it just doesn't matter. And and so from a service perspective, you know, you have bumps. Right. There are mad customers. And our policy early on was, if there was a mad customer, bring them to me. If the CEO can call a customer and say, tell me what happened, tell me why you're upset, I'll give you free Teladoc for a year, um, it always turns them around. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter if the customer is wrong or right. The customer is always right. Right. You have to know how to do that in your service, the service side of of your business. Yeah. So you st- have you stepped out of the business then for what's what's happening there I pretty have. much and I have. Yeah. yeah. And when you look at it now though, is it really just does it make you really really proud or do you still go gosh I I kind of miss it a little bit or Well, I, you know, I miss it, but it's still my baby. Yeah. And um the the guy that um I helped pick mm-hmm. to replace me yeah. is still there. He's worth a lot of money, so yeah. I'm very happy about that. <laughs> yeah. um, it's kind of like, you know, I, I, I yeah. wish I was worth his kind of money. So have you ever called in to use the service? That's what That was one of my questions <laughs> I wrote down. I was like, I got to ask, have you ever done it? Have you ever, you're, you're, you I, just I, never get I, sick in, probably, in, do you? In the beginning, I did. <laughs> yeah. But I, I know it's too many doctors. I, yeah. You know, I you just, don't have to I do just, that anymore, right? Yeah, I just call a, I just call one of the doctors directly. So you, you step out of that business and you decide... Uh, I'm going to kick back and not do anything. No, you don't do that, right? uh -uh. No, no. I mean, uh, and so how many books have you written now? Six. Six, okay. And we got multiples that are on Amazon's top seller list. Two two have have made the top, the bestseller. Okay. You know, both in the top ten. We're going to stick with multiples because I'm (laughs) telling you guys, you got to check them out on Amazon. So you you step back, you, you write some books. Yep. And you decide to... I didn't step back. I went right into the next Yeah, you stepped out of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you jump into this new next business. Right. So tell us about that. Well, so the, the one that I'm really passionate about right now is yeah. called Back to Space. Okay. And uh, fundamentally, as, as an engineer and a scientist, I see across America that 25 years ago, we used to produce more scientists and engineers than anybody in the world. The baby boomer generation created more science, technology, art, music than the entire history of mankind combined. So look at 35,000 years of history was totally eclipsed. Everything they did was totally eclipsed by one generation. Wow. What happened in that generation that was so magical, so powerful, and isn't happening now? I mean, we joke about the millennials all the time, but... Um, you know, it, it, it's a pretty serious problem. Right. If you go to China right now, well, before the coronavirus, if, uh, 
those young kids want to change the world. They want to be scientists and engineers. If you ask American kids, they want to be YouTube influencers. So we've done something wrong. Yeah. And and how how do we fix it? And I think the the thing is, when we were young, we believed we could do anything. Mm -hmm. We watched impossible things like man going to the moon and the transistor and you know all of these cool things. Atari and in the microwave oven, just sort of things. Yeah. <laughs> Pong. Yes. <laughs> Pong is my favorite. Yes. You know the, the guy. The first remote control in our home and is a color TV. I, I never got a lot of Oh, man. So, you know, Pong is right, right, was built right here in Dallas by a that. guy named Bob England. Who's okay. A, I was supposed to have lunch with him today. In fact, I was supposed to come for my lunch with Bob to this. Okay. And uh, Bob was sick today. So okay. We didn't, he we should have called Teladoc. It would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, I know. I should have. <laughs> right. Hey, Bob, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it full circle. Yeah. No, I, I did not know that. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So this this new company. Yeah. So so what is um, back space is all about inspiration. But um, we're doing we're doing three things, and one of them is part of being here today is learning the digital space for me. Right. right. Because because that's that's where people are these days, and so we are trying to learn how to inspire in the digital space. But we also have a TV show that we're working on, and and to me this is the most fantastic thing you can imagine because anybody who's seen Amazing Race. The great thing about Amazing Race is you sit on your couch, you watch those challenges on Amazing Race, and you go, I could do that. I could do that. And so imagine the producers of Amazing Race, who are part of our team, oh, wow. that are so good that they could do the, I could do that, but make it science challenges and things that astronauts do. Hmm. But everybody's sitting on their couch going, I could do that. And, and so... Why is Amazing Race the most popular reality TV show right now? Because everybody goes, I could do that. I could win. I could get a million dollars. And in our particular case, we're going to do the same thing with the same brilliant producers, but we're not going to give them a million dollars. No, no. <laughs> we're going to give them a ticket to space. That's incredible. And that has never been done before. Wow. And so, um, you, know, this is, you know, this is the thing that that's going to make everybody's skin tingle, and they're going to go, this wow. is inspiration. Right. But the other thing we're doing that, that I think, you know, we just sort of did this kind of for fun. Um, we started looking at, there's a local group called Dude Perfect that we wanted to do a challenge with. And they launch rockets and do stuff like that. And um, we decided to build this map of the moon. And in the beginning, it was going to be 25 feet by 25 feet, which is a big map. Right, you know, you've right. got a map hanging on your wall. It's, what, <laughs> six by four or something like that. So 25 feet. But then we thought, you know, What's the biggest map on the planet? It's 21,000 square feet. That's huge, right? Right, right. I mean, you, that's, I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's bigger than most people's lot where they live. Yeah. It's bigger than three houses. <clears throat> right. And so <clears throat> we said, okay, let's build something bigger. So in Jacksboro, Texas, just north of Fort Worth, yeah. we are going to build a 25,400 square foot map of the moon. Wow. Yeah. Complete with virtual reality, so you can walk onto that moon. You can pick your phone up and get a selfie with Neil Armstrong and the Earth in the background, Whoa, or cool. the lunar lo <clears throat> module, or you can um, you can put, strap on a vest and see what it's like to you know you w weigh one six. You were talking about losing weight, right? Right. right. So <laughs> <laughs> go to our lunar landscape experience in Jacksboro. Put on the vest and you'll weigh one sixth. So if you weigh um, one eighty right now. 
so you'd weigh 30 pounds on the moon. He's being very kind. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what is the fascination right now with space? That the, the big movement that's taking place about going back to the moon, I, I, the Mars thing makes sense to me. We have never landed there. I get it. But there's a, there, there is a large yeah. presence right now of discussion that takes place around the moon. Yep. Is it just time to go back? It's, is it changed? Is well, somebody on the dark side. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's the intellectual the, dark web. It's Elon the, Musk uh, and all yeah. of his friends. You know, Kennedy sort of sparked this thing when he said, we choose to go to the moon. We choose to do these things not because they're easy, but because they're hard. And those kind of words got into our bones and inspired a generation. But now we have uh, ad an administrator at NASA named Bridenstine who is, I mean, he's just, he says, we're going to do this, and it doesn't matter. He's like an entrepreneur. Right. You know? In government. The, on, yeah. Yeah, in government, <laughs> which is just, it's just crazy to think about it. But um, so Bridenstine, um, for the entrepreneurs of the world, they got to love this guy because right. he doesn't care what government obstacle gets in his way. He's going to go make this thing happen. Yeah. And um, so when he says we're going to the moon in 2024, I believe it. Has Elon Musk had a lot to do with it as well, you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think that Bridenstine could make it happen if it weren't for guys like Musk yeah. and Bezos right. and Branson. Yeah. You know, that these guys are the modern-day Thomas Edison. And, um, and finally, the space program, that reach for going up high, is in, in uh, the private world. Now. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. doable. It's yeah. we're we're a place yeah. where it seems like technology can get us there. Not seems like yeah. Musk is doing more launches than anybody right now. Right. I mean, what he's doing is just it's just mind boggling. Right. I actually listened to a podcast the other day. He sort of uh, what do we call that when we pull someone from a competitor to come work for us? Yeah. He pulled some, one of the heads. Yes. Yeah, poached. poached. Thank you. Yeah. He uh, poached one of the head. I were um, in the staffing business. We yeah, forgot what it's called. I know, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> he poached one of the head guys from NASA to come work for SpaceX. And he, they've been collaborating. But, yeah, it's definitely happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, there's right. no doubt. I mean, that's where that movement, I think, is starting back, obviously, to start happening. You're seeing it in engineering. Mm -hmm. You're seeing more kids going into engineering. You know, my, my son – uh, just graduated from University of Oklahoma with an engineering degree. I mean, it's just he got in trouble in high school. Why the? Why did he have no, to go to he, OU? Oh well, uh. <laughs> <laughs> OU gave him money. Oh yay! <laughs> Unlike Texas, uh, uh, but no, he he. Uh, I, I, many of his friends also went into this, and then more people we speak with recently, I hear, oh, my son's getting it. They're going to engineering. My daughter's going into engineering, and it's just it seems to be. Right. Uh, there's something that's building where they're going there back is, to it finally. That's right. There is an awakening, yeah. and, we, and we have to keep pushing it. And it's interesting, too, I think, because the educational system, there, there was definitely some type of a flaw, a blip. Something took place over the last 15, 20 years where some priorities weren't in line right. with basics, math, yeah. reading, writing. Mm -hmm. I was kind of blown away the other day to learn that they weren't teaching cursive in school. Yeah, they're not. And now they're going back to it. And, oh. and kids and parents saying, I never, I ne it was something that they didn't teach me. And I'm thinking, how can you read the Constitution? I mean, this yeah. is, this should be, this is wrong. I mean, <laughs> this education is a big part of it, which gets them uh, excited about stuff like what you're right. doing, right? right. It's right. the only way to do that. 
and and these young kids that are freshmen and sophomore in college all the way down right. they are they are changing it that yeah. you know the, they are not the millennials and and you know that so everybody picks on the millennials and they probably deserve it to some degree. I, I, honestly, I, my theory is it's an easy target because I don't understand all the other ones that are in there. Right. The Gen X, X, Y, Zs. I don't get it all. I just. Yeah. Just, well, it's well, yours. And it's my... you, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, so I think it's a general rite of passage for every generation to look at the next generation and say. Blame it on them. These uh, are the ones screwing no, it up. Bill, it's our fault. It's yeah. yours and my fault. We're right. the ones that raised the millennials. Right, right. You know, actually you, we point. can pick on them all we want to, but right. we did it wrong. I never so. gave myself a participation trophy. Just saying. Handed to me Just by saying. somebody else, somebody older. <laughs> but Gen Z is a little bit different than millennials, too. That's mm. that's your yeah, freshman that's right. and sophomore in college right now. The, yeah. the, the, there is a big shift of change in what they're interested in right. and the work ethic and stuff like that. Well, we is, saw that right. even take place. Over the last ten years, with retail, where they weren't going to the malls, uh, they were only going to try on the things. Then they weren't doing that; they were just ordering it online. Now they're back to go. They want to go to the mall and touch it and see it. They're still going to order it online, but they still want to go in there uh, and see things. So you're seeing that mm-hmm. it's it's a change because of the digital age that changed. Mm-hmm. And where were they at a certain point? You know, you've got the Facebook generation, but then you have the Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Yeah, TikTok and tacky tacky, <laughs> whatever. I mean, it's just is that all of that changes, it happens. But it right. all seems to come back to the basics again, yeah. as history does in many ways. That's correct. And so we see the same thing happening, and it's I think it's it's exciting to see, but it's exciting to see private entrepreneurs getting involved in this too. Yeah. And entrepreneurs have another new tool that, um, that a lot of them aren't aware of right now called Reg CF. And so this is the, the, if you talk to any entrepreneur, all of them have one pain point, and that is, where am I going to find the money to build the company? And um, raising money has always been difficult. I, I, I just wrote a book on it called Broken Handoff. And, and, you know, why is it so difficult to do this? Reg CF provides a brand new way of raising capital. And we don't really have time to talk about it today, but everybody listening should go do a little research. And okay. uh, um, it's it, it is going to change a lot for entrepreneurs because it allows you to if if you're building a company in Dallas or Podunk, um, you now have access to people all over the world who are probably going to be able to understand what you're doing. Right. And if there's only a thousand people worldwide that get it but they help you fund the company, then you will be able to create something that wouldn't have been able to be created. Hmm. And, um, you know, so there's there's going to be opportunities through new capital raise, and Reg right. CF is going to do that. Can would, you, would, can would you, you spell that? Reg, reg CF? Um, regulation. Okay. And CF. Unfortunately, the CF is crowdfunding, which is not – I'm not talking about Indiegogo, and uh, this, is, this is SEC and FINRA-regulated capital raising. So you're – kind of a publicly traded company. Um, You've got some regulation but, behind uh, it. Yeah, just, uh, I've written some articles on it so people can go to my LinkedIn page and and, um, okay. and I'm happy to, anybody that wants, um, I'm happy to connect them to resources. You, you're out there and you're, you're speaking with a lot of people and, and seeing a lot of entrepreneurs and being an entrepreneur. What is your feeling about the, I guess you would call it the state of entrepreneurism? in this country mm-hmm. and the feeling behind it? 
Well, the uh, you know this country was built by entrepreneurs, and and the great news is, it's still being built by entrepreneurs. I mean, you, we were talking about Elon Musk. He's an entrepreneur. Um, he's on the top of the chain, and uh, for all of the others out there that are struggling, um, you know, somewhere out there is the next Elon yeah. Musk. But yeah, I think I think entrepreneurism is growing strong, and there's a lot of resources all over. You know, there's the Capital Factory and there's the Wildcatters here in Dallas and um, there's things like that all over the place that are yeah. supporting entrepreneurs. I feel like there was a period 10 years ago where we went through kind of a, a dip that yeah. took place. And probably part of that was the Great Recession mm -hmm. uh, that caused the, the nightmare of the, the funding yeah. <clears throat> or being an entrepreneur and going through that and realizing you had payroll to hit. Uh, and not sleeping and, mm -hmm. and knowing you had to do whatever you had to do to make it through that. Yeah. And so for some, I think it was difficult, especially a lot of people in that time and, and kids that watch their families lose, lose things. I know I've had a lot of discussions with some of our employees that are younger, even as simple as talking about, you know, do you have a credit card? No, I would never have a credit card. <laughs> Why not? I mean, what if something happened? Well, my, my parents during the recession, we would never – can't do that. Well, right. it's not a bad thing. Just yeah. need to understand how to use it. And so that it's that mindset sometimes of, of the change taking place over time. And I just worry that we're, we don't, we don't want to ever lose that because it right. is the backbone of this country. I mean, your, your mm -hmm. stories are mind boggling uh, and fantastic. Uh, and, and it's wonderful to hear. And for some of us who go through it, it's a longer trail, but it's right. okay. We all have our own destination or what we want to do with things. But having mm -hmm. that idea and that light is, is such a fantastic thing. It is what this country is all about. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, being an entrepreneur is way harder than corporate world. Right. I've done both. And, um, you know, the entrepreneur cleans the toilets in the morning and negotiates the million-dollar deals in the afternoon. And you have to be willing to do everything. Sometimes it goes back to clean the toilets at night, yeah. I'm just going to say. <laughs> yeah. I've had to do we, that many times. We have, yeah. we're, we have higher highs and lower lows mm -hmm. in the corporate yeah. world, and sometimes they happen in the same hour. Right. I mean, I can think of times when I pulled into my office. I, when I was building Internet Global, there, I had 80 employees working for me. I pulled into the office one day. It was pay, payday, and we didn't have enough money for payroll. And so you have to solve problems like that, and right. you just can't you, – you can't, like – you cannot let the, if you build this, you will go to prison, comments stop you. You just, right. have, to, you just have to grit through it. Well, that's what makes you stronger. Yeah. You know, I, I truly believe the Great Recession made us extremely strong mm. uh, as a company and a core group in what we do because we, we came together. Right. Uh, and we knew we we're going to get through this when half of our competition went out of business. Yep. And we said, we're going to do whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. And when we look back, that's where you go. It was a blessing in disguise because today, bring it on. Yeah. You know, whatever it may be, we're ready. That's right. Because I'm telling you, that was the worst. It had to have been the worst. And if it's not, we know we can get through it. And when you start up something with a, the space side of things, an idea and a concept, and, and have that dream, that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. And it's probably just getting those one or two people in there with you that smile and go, I get it, that make it all worth it at the end of the day. It's I mean, all worth it. Trust me. Yeah. Your your companies are your children. Yeah. And you know the the joke that I always make is um, the uh, Jason, the guy who's running Teladoc, is worth a lot of money right now, and I'm not. But until I get Alzheimer's, 
I still have the credential. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I, I don't know. I think uh, I, I would. That was some. That's something. Like I said, I think that's going to become a word, a, a, a something associated like the Xerox. You yeah. Know, it's going to well, become like a Starbucks when you somebody goes, I'm going to get a Starbucks, and they're like just walking to get a coffee, and it's not really a Starbucks. It's it's the same thing. Yeah. And I think it's just yeah. ingenious and brilliant and. It, it, you should have been. You should have already had an award for it, or something from <laughs> because it, it truly is yeah. an absolute genius idea. The fact that you did it, came up with the idea, on a freaking side of a mountain is also a great story. Well, let's give Dr. Brooks credit well, we, for coming up with the idea. I, I hope and, Dr. Brooks and, made some money on it too for you. Okay, <laughs> so Dr. Brooks still has his stock, so he's okay. He's, okay. <laughs> okay. he's retired now. He's, <laughs> he's not um, taking phone calls anymore. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> only only Michael's calls because he's his personal doctor. Now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, you know, having that personal doctor on your speed dial is a great deal. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's going to be a big shout out there to my doctor, uh, Solby, who uh, I could speed dial him quickly, so it makes a difference. What what do you see uh, down your path in the future here? You've got this one project, but is there anything else that you still want to do that you're thinking about and Kind of like I, so you know we talked a little bit about space. I think um, right now this part of uh, back to space is inspiring, but we're about to see a whole next generation. So we talked a little bit about the TV show, and if you win, you could have a ride, you know, up to the edge of space and back. Right. But think about over the next ten years, you're going to have the first rides will be up to the edge of space and back, and then around the Earth, and then. Uh, around the moon, then landing on the moon, and then right. to Mars, and then on to the... And so I think we're going to see a lot of opportunities there. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, I'd like to play a role in that, write some more books. That'd be fantastic. Some fiction, right? Right. Some, some, you know, not fiction, but... Do you, uh, do you ever think about retiring? No. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. No. Because, I, I, I mean, in reality, if, to me... Retirement is probably when I left the corporate world back in the '90s, yeah. um, because I've just been having fun yeah. since. What? How many? How much vacation time do you take a year? How many days off? Or what do you, what's what's a vacation? To yeah. You? So there's no vacation. Yeah. I, I mean, like I I heard your staff saying you're you're going to Hawaii, right? Yeah, and am, you're going to be working while I, you're there, I, right? I, I, I'm, yeah. So it's you know. never really a vacation. Yeah. It's but, but it is to me, and 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 you said that it's your baby. Yeah. And so. I can be away and and still feel like I'm having a vacation and I work it in. It's just part of my life. It's never going to go away. Right. Someone asked, you know, are you going to retire someday and sit on the beach? And I said, probably, but I'll have my laptop next to me. Right. <laughs> well, so here's another way I can answer your question then. I've been on vacation since I left corporate America in the That's 90s. It. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Man, this is, this is a fun episode. A lot of fun getting to discuss. April, you got anything I didn't ask or talk about? Cause, I no, mean, this is, I don't. This honestly, I'm I mean, yeah, is, I'm just sitting I'm back here away. in I'm awe. Not lie. Exactly. Okay, April, that was fantastic with him. That's uh, yeah. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm a big fan of. Thank Tele you. I really wow. am. And just knowing and understanding it is just. I, again, I think it's just one of those products mm. that we should be just thankful for. Yeah. I mean, I know it sounds like it's so simple, but. There are more people that use it that you hear about, and it solves this little problem for them. And it's yeah. stuff like that that makes us different in this country. That it truly is the entrepreneurial side of things, and that to me is just—it's just a blessing. I don't know. 
Well, I didn't know you when we started Teladoc in 2002, <laughs> but, I, but I can tell you the success came from your phrase, people, process, and service. Wow. Thank you. So. Very, very kind of you to so, say that. There's your brilliance. There you go. <laughs> glad you didn't know that he would have trademarked it before me and made a lot of money. <laughs> so before uh, we close, is there anything like that you would give as like a nugget of advice for entrepreneurs or anything that maybe you learned along the way? What, 12 different companies you've started and six books you've written? Um, is there any like piece of advice that you would give? Sure. Um, at the very beginning of World War II, the British Army and what was left of the French Army was run right up to the beaches. And um, the, the Germans would probably, if, if they hadn't hesitated, would probably have won the war. And Churchill said, everything that floats, I want it going across the channel and bringing people back. And all night long, you know, people in bathtubs and people in rowboats and people in anything that floated. And, and that was all about, uh, Churchill said, we will never surrender. And, and, you know, in the United States, we had a president, um, uh, Coolridge. Um, who said, uh, who wrote a quote about persistence. And so I would suggest that everybody go look at, um, at the persistence quote. And uh, it's, it is, it says it all. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. It, it's, it's true. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for being here today and uh, for joining us on the podcast. He's about to catch a flight out of town, too, and he came by still. So he moved his flight to do this. I, I really, I can't thank you enough. I know. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Hey, we're Absolute all, we're all going to places that should be sunny tomorrow, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll Sounds see like if, none of us work. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if that's how it turns out. <laughs> But uh, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of People Process Service. Bill, you and I will be out next week in April. April's going to fill in for April us and Shelly. And Shelly's going to jump in here too. And yes. Excited uh, and appreciate the, uh, those two jumping in to take care of stuff. You know, Shelly's a she's an old queen at doing this stuff too. So we'll break her out of her shell. No big deal. She she used to do the radio show with us on Carol D. So she's got it. She oh, can handle this stuff for sure. Forward. I can't wait. Yeah, no. So, but make sure you guys check us out on, uh, it's on Apple, Spotify, Spotify. Yeah. It's on the Google thing. <laughs> it's on, uh, it's on everywhere, man. It's on the TikTok, <laughs> and I don't know what it's on. But no. Please, you guys, uh, check it out. Appreciate it. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.